I'm David Matson, and this is Primetime 89, a chance for me to visit and talk story, check in and catch up with classmates from a generation ago, finding out how they're doing, where they are, how they got there, and what experiences they've had along the way. In the busyness after high school, I lost touch with my classmates and even my closest friends. Nearly 30 years later, I began reconnecting with guys I literally haven't seen in decades, and some look different. So I meet up with Zach and Jamie at Lokar's restaurant, and I find myself sitting across the table from a guy who knows me, but I don't recognize. What's up, Dave? He says, and I oblige. He gestures to two young boys sitting next to him. Say hi to Uncle David. And they do. So I ask them what their names are, hoping they'll drop a last name. But no luck. Austin and Ethan is all I get. So he starts asking me how I've been, and I say, pretty good, how about you? There's more small talk, and I'm hoping for a clue, but I get nothing. As we talk, I focus on his voice, and it's familiar. But I don't recognize this dark-complexioned guy, medium build, with a shaved head. No one in high school had a shaved head. So I listen again, and a name comes to me. So I lean over to Zach and I ask, enunciating each syllable, Is that Sean Mascal? Sean, <laughs> nice to see you, man. How you been? Good. How's it going? Pretty good. So you... um. So you were uh, running around making deliveries? Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, so what's new with you? In the middle of volleyball season for the for the two boys, and mm-hmm. that's it. <sighs> Trying to get the older one into school. <laughs> <laughs> they grow up so quick. Yeah. How about Man. you? How's everything? Uh, up here is pretty good. So, you know, Elizabeth just got her shot Friday. I got mine a couple weeks ago. Yeah? Yeah. Because you, uh, you're in education? That's what I put. <laughs> the formative years of grade school are filled with stories that stay with you. And reminiscing with an old classmate, especially one that I've known since we were five years old, is that much more special. So tell me a little bit about where you grew up. You know, I, I was here, right, in on Oahu, and we were in elementary together. I uh, lived in Kaneohe on Haiku Road. You know, played played sports, did everything on that side, and then after sixth grade school year, we packed up and moved to Maui. Um, so that's why I ended up in Kihei, and then I went to Kihei School for a couple of years, and then I went to a public school in Maui. So everyone's from the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was it was cool because hop on your bike, ride over to your friend's house. Oh, they're not home. Ride over to another friend's house. You know, people knocking on your door. If you're like checking if you're home, well, let's go, let's go do whatever, and then. So, so what kind of stuff you guys do? Riding bike through trails. There's a lot of trails to ride bikes in. Wailea McKenna was dirt roads when I first moved there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only one entrance in and one entrance out. So if you took the dirt trails, if we rode bike through the dirt trails, you, there are shortcuts to get there. 
and then you ride around over there and you know flatten your tires on the Chiave thorns and <laughs> and end up having to push all the way back push the bike back yeah yeah I mean you don't realize that you're missing it until you until you miss it like mm-hmm. I didn't realize it until I got to to Maui and like oh this is cool like all your friends are in this you know 10 minutes 15 minutes like on like a 10 minute drive away but you know half an hour bike ride away and then you're good to go yeah sure. and then like sports you know I didn't even tell my parents when I had games I just pack my crap hop on my bike and go <laughs> yeah that's right that's right yeah just like yeah I just go and that, and that was either because the the games were in Kihei or if they were out somewhere else you know go to my friend's house and catch a ride you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. thinking back to high school how do you think our classmates will remember you it would depend who you asked <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to envy you. I don't know if I told you this before, but, you know, for whatever reason, and I don't even think that you were asking for it, he would always kick you out of class. He, he, he yeah, I was going to just say that. I said, he kicked me out of class more times than he gave me an A or a B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was a little jealous because I, I, I was thinking, Sean can go down to the cafeteria. And as a matter of fact, if there's enough time, that's probably where he is right now. <laughs> <laughs> And I never really thought that I was peer pressured into doing things. Mm-hmm. Even the stupid things I did were always a choice. <laughs> you know, it was always a choice. And I, I knew it was dumb while you're making it. <laughs> like, I always had this like, let's do it. What's <laughs> the worst that could happen? You know, like all of sophomore year, I was a platoon sergeant. I, I skipped a class one week and then, you know, it got reported as, as unexcused. And so I got demoted. Mm-hmm. So from that point on, I was like, oh, forget it. So the next week I went to Haleola, complained about back pains. And then they sent me to the doctor to go check it out. And I had scoliosis. Mm-hmm. Everybody got tested at the school. And so I I really don't think that had anything to do with my back pain, but there it was. They gave me a doctor's note, excuse from ROTC, and they gave me a date from like, you know, like out for two weeks. Well, I kept changing the date on the thing that extended it for the rest of the school year. So (laughs) I never went in uniform for like four months. Mr. Apol's class, we had the geometry test, and I was like, I am not ready for this test. But my Haleola folder was like this thick with <laughs> stomach aches, headaches, and whatnot. And so um, I put on crappy clothes that day, like jeans and like a sweater I never use. And I jumped down the hill to Mavina and slid down. And so my whole back was covered in mud and my pants were all muddy. And then I went to Haleola, and so I was like, oh, I fell down the thing. They're like, are you hurt? And I'm like, no. I'm like, well, what do you want us to do? I was like, I don't know, but I can't go to class with these clothes like this. They're like, well, we can we can wash it and dry it. And I made sure it was jeans because jeans would take the longest to dry. 
So I was in Haleola for two hours. They were washing my clothes and got an excuse note from Haleola. Haleola, back in the day, I'd collect as many friends as possible and, you know, get to know people, hang out. You know, I never actually even had given it a thought on how I would be remembered. Uh, I just tried to be there for them as much as I could, regardless of which group it was. Junior year, I, I worked a lot, but taking pictures at the boat at um, uh, Aloha Tower. Right after high school, I did that. Yeah. I, I think you were there, though, because it was me and then a bunch of the, um, the 1990 girls. Was that on the, some, the princess, something princess? Was, the Star of Honolulu. Ours had like four different boats. Mm-hmm. Debbie Cobb. Honestly, I run into Debbie Cobb too, but she was at the start of Honolulu for a while though. I used to put on the head thing, put on the lava lava, yeah, take yeah. The tourists, <laughs> give them the shaka, try and sell them the pictures on the bus, and <laughs> go yeah, from there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the seven minute selling period <laughs> from the bus drive to the drop off. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I think like a, a good a good take would be like making 40 bucks or something one night you yeah know, tips yeah it's crazy crazy because i think we had the pictures were like one for 12 or two for 20. exactly yeah, yeah. i'm not sure how much they'd be now but i mean that, yeah. that was expensive back then it still seems kind of expensive now for a picture yeah <laughs> i mean yeah, well, yeah. you were in it though and i mean i look good so <laughs> <laughs> Returning to Kapalama campus as an alumnus, particularly during Alumni Week, invokes pride and a sense of being part of something meaningful. For some of us, this tradition spans generations, and for some, the proud tradition continues. Um, why don't we start talking about your family? So you got um, you got Michelle, your wife, and, and Austin and Ethan. Yeah, Austin's a senior this year, and Ethan is a sophomore. And they're going to our alma mater. They are all at Kamehameha. <laughs> Princess is taking care. <laughs> so Ethan, did Ethan enter in kindergarten also? Austin and Ethan both kindergarten. Yeah. Thirteen years seniors, man. 13 years seniors. I said, just don't blow it. (laughs) (laughs) Everything your uncles did, you learned from their example. What not to do. Like distance learning is perfect for Austin. He can't blow it, knock on wood. (laughs) Anything they're doing at home. (laughs) No pools turning color. We're we're all good. (laughs) They're not even tempted now. (laughs) <laughs> After Ethan got in in kindergarten, then Michelle got hired there that same year. So she's been there, I think, 10 years. Yeah. 11 years. This is going on 11 years. Crazy. Yeah. So she's been at Kamehameha all this time. Yeah. Oh, and, and, um, and so she teaches uh, younger grade level, right? She's a kindergarten EA, so educational assistant. She helps the teacher. Uh, mm-hmm. She third grade for one year, and then um, she went back down to kindergarten. She was up at uh, third grade for a few years, actually, and then um, went back to kindergarten. That's, that's where she likes working, where she likes the younger ones. Yeah, so what is the status of 
distance learning right now? Okay, so originally they were supposed to start school on the last week on Monday. That got pushed back. So distance learning is was till the 31st of August. And then with the triple digit numbers that kept hitting, they pushed it to the whole first quarter is going to be distance learning. So uh, I think fall break, middle of October. They'll probably reassess and then determine whether to come back or what. Yeah. So what is that full days of school? How does the distance learning there work for them? You know, I don't know, but so like how they did it last when the school year ended was some teachers had Zoom meetings with them and some teachers just had instructional pieces for them to do and then turn their assignments in. I would have, you know, I, my assumption after just looking at it a little bit, it's similar to online courses in college where you got to meet up every once in a while with the teacher and they can give you information, but there's like a, a blackboard for them, for you to check what work is due, what's supposed to be coming in, what you have to read, what you have to do, what you have to turn in, when's the next test or how that's going to go. Interesting. So it sounds like it's really making or forcing these high school kids at this early level to really be independent learners, huh? So here's what I found is that um, easier courses like industrial arts typically, you know, has become difficult because now they're using like digital platforms to kind of do certain things. And I'm like trying to help them decipher through it. And it was hard like holy smokes you know it's it's changed the it's changed the dynamic of some of these classes and then other classes like pe has become more test driven rather than physically driven and then that kind of stinks right for for people that are athletic at least <laughs> so, it turns a, a automatic a class into like a c plus b minus type of class <laughs> Gotta think now. What? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely put a, a monkey wrench into certain aspects of it. The reason we chose hybrid originally was because it's senior year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't get to redo senior year. That's it. You know, yeah. it's, um, and he wanted to see his friends, and so we're like, all right, two days a week. Uh, you know. I guess we can kind of live with it, but you know, otherwise we're, I mean, we're in your book. If they were juniors and freshmen, we probably would be all distance learning. Yeah. The things yeah. we do for our kids, right? We have that conversations when they go to the beach, like, you know, Ethan likes to go to Sandy's a lot and you know, you drive by to pick them up and people are, there's, it's packed and people are drinking and they're doing, you know, they're doing all the, things that people do at Sandy's, but he's in the water at least 90% of the time. But still, it's like, okay, wait, you're going to the beach and risking all of us with these idiots that are over there. You know, is that really fair for everybody? Yeah, yeah, gosh. Yeah, it really, really forces you to think about things differently. I mean, everything that we do. Yeah. Traveling. We canceled a bunch of trips this year. Yeah. Both boys had a volleyball tournament that got canceled in early July. You know, Where do you guys normally go? 
Where, where, where do you guys go? We go to Vegas. So um, Michelle and I will go by ourselves. We like to stay on the strip. We stay at Planet Hollywood. You know, usually they, they I mean, they comp us rooms. They comp us a lot of things. And then we go, you know, some, sometimes meals. So we'll go to like Nobu or, you know. And the Nobu in Vegas is fantastic. Like it's great. It's so good. So in April, she was actually going to go with her family the first week in April. And I, me and Maddie Alameda were going to go to the NFL draft. I had, they gave me two tickets to the NFL draft experience. So we would have been there live for the draft. <laughs> we're like, oh, oh. You know, it was, so that was crushing. Like, buckets. oh, damn it. Tell me, how did you and Michelle meet? We met at the YMCA. Uh, we both were junior leaders. You know, I was member YMCA. I was there every summer at the one by Alamoana. So I was a sophomore. She came eighth grade. Um, so I've known her since she was eighth grade. Well, 15 and 13. Wow. I, I know. Thought, it's I crazy, know. right? Um, we did not go out until after, right after she graduated, we both were leaders still at the YMCA. Mm -hmm. So, so do you remember like um, one of your first dates? I mean, uh, anticlimactic, but. Yeah. Well, like, oh, you like go to the movies. Again. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Drive-in movie, Pro Ridge. We dated a while without going officially out. Mm -hmm. Like we just go out and then fall by the wayside. Then we go out again and fall by the wayside. Then we finally started dating, and then um, it's maybe maybe a year or two. Was it YMCA straight to Pearson? No, YMCA to teaching. So teachers have one of the toughest and most rewarding jobs there is. And like anything else, you never get a sense of what that means until you hear it for yourself. Here's Sean telling us what being a teacher was really like. So I was a fifth grade teacher. Typically in elementary schools, yeah. individual teacher is in charge of everything. Yep. Right? Science, social studies, math, English, you know, whatever else. Um, but our school was small, so there was only two fifth grade classes. Um, and so we're able to split it, mm. me doing everything and uh, her doing everything. We split it. And so the only thing that has to happen when you do that is your communication has to be high because when you have parent-teacher conferences or when you do report cards, you know, it has to be clear to not only myself, it has to be clear to her that she understands things, you know because she has to convey that to the other, you know, to the parents or to the students. I had a good situation. I was at Hokulani Elementary and my partner was fantastic. Um, we had a great relationship. And to get in a teaching situation where you and your partner get along so well, um, we team taught. And so she took art and social studies. And I really, as a human, didn't like art and social studies. I mean, so... <laughs> If you don't really like something, it's very difficult to convey that like. And she loved it. And so she goes, if you can only do science and PE for me, then I'll do your art and social studies. And I'm like, I love science and PE. 
<laughs> you know, and then, you know, when we, when we split our math groups, she's like, ah, oh, you know what? I'll take the lowest, like, let's say we had 60 kids. She goes, I'll take the lowest, like 12. If you take the higher ones, which means I had 48, I had a large group, mm-hmm. but to work with the, some of the low ones sometimes is excruciatingly difficult. And so I always like, absolutely, I'll take the big numbers. Mm-hmm. When you teach science or social studies, you're not doing it five days a week. Um, it's one of the subjects that get cut back. So you teach it maybe two, if you're lucky, three times a week. Mm-hmm. So whenever I taught science with her kids, she would take my kids for social studies. Mm-hmm. Whenever I taught, when, whenever you know, I taught PE with her kids, she'd take my kids for art. Okay. It was just a reciprocation that went back and forth when she was, I mean, so it was just like a great match um, until 2006. I'm sure some of us have had opportunities present themselves that cause us to take the chance and take our careers in a different direction. Sean tells us about what convinced him to leave the classroom. One of the trainings I went to, you know, they offer these trainings and so it was a science training and so I went and we met a guy from Pearson and he was a trainer and he's pretty good. And so, um, you know, he's doing all these cool experiments that are in the program. I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Can you send us that? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'll email you. No worries. No problem. So me and my, my partner were after it, we're stoked. And then, you know, we wait and we don't get an email. We wait and we don't get an email. Now it's like a few months later and I'm like, yeah, he ain't going to send us nothing. <laughs> like, we ain't going to get it. And so um, we, we got later on that year, we got invited to go to a um, national conference in Anaheim for science, NSTA. And so we go over there and we find the Pearson booth and guess who's there? <laughs> the trainer. And the first thing I go up to him, I'm like, dude, you never emailed us. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, da, 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 da. And, then, and then he's like, um, oh, let me take you guys out to dinner. And I'm like, went out, talked. And he goes, hey, the guy in Hawaii is actually going to retire. And he says, you should, you should apply. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you should apply. Like, so applied, went to a couple of interviews, and then, you know, they hired me. So it was, that was my publishing uh, kickoff in 2006, right after the school year ended. So Pearson was um, Scott Forsman and uh, Prentice Hall. What did you like about Pearson? So it's work from home, which I like. Um, They give you a company car, which I like. Pay for your computer, pay for your phone. Um, So I haven't had a car since 2006 that I owned myself, you know, I haven't had to pay for a car for 14 years at this point. Um, I mean, these are just the, the little perks. Plus, I mean, the people you work with. So I, I get to interact with authors. I get to interact with um, top members in their, in their field in education in their, in the science field in the language arts field and math. I mean, just having these conversations and getting understanding and, you know, constantly getting professional development this way. Like we are constantly getting better at what we do, better at our knowledge base, better at figuring, uh, you know, understanding how things work and why 
they're working. Um, my God, one month ago, I was sitting in a class of fifth graders, and here I am meeting with authors and, and superintendents. And yeah, you know. oh, That is cool. So that, that's, that's like education on a whole different level. It's like it's, it's, a, it's, it's a whole different level. Yeah. And that's how they, I mean, one of the, remember my manager back then when he was trying to get me hired, he was like, um, you know, right now you're affecting maybe 20 to 30 kids a year. He goes, if you provide these schools with materials that can really help them, you'd be affecting thousands of kids a year. I'm like, ah, oh, you sucker. <laughs> sucker. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a good selling point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how long have you been with McGraw-Hill? I started with McGraw-Hill January of 2014. You know, McGraw-Hill teams up with companies and, and other things too. You know, it's, it's curriculum, whether it's digital, whether it's uh, print, but it's curriculum for all subjects. It's curriculum for struggling students. It's curriculum for uh, English language learners. It's curriculum for whoever. And that's, that's typically what we're dealing with. When I moved to McGraw, it was like the first year that Hawaii went into a state adoption because they had funds from um, uh, national funds that came through. Mm -hmm. So it was like a 98% adoption for language arts for McGraw-Hill. Wow. So um, the state went with it. The majority of my time went with uh, reading for elementary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, and there's pluses and minuses. Um, financially, it was good, but trying to deal with issues i mean so it was it's madness <laughs> it's madness <laughs> now it's settled down we're down to like 40 to 50 emails a day that's you know but it was it's it was crazy for a while so what did you want to do when you were in high school did it have anything to do with education didn't have anything to do with anything i wanted to be with my friends have a good time Period. <laughs> um, is there any chance in the world that when you retire from this, you can see yourself back in the classroom? Probably. I mean, I, 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 could, I could see it. Yeah. Not something I'm, I'm planning for. <laughs> <laughs> Did you play volleyball in high school? I played sophomore year. Really? I played after high school kind of a long time for like 10 years. Ah, for, for, for what? Like the outrigger? For a different club. Actually, it was with the, the Monarchs, Damien's club. Mm -hmm. So I had a couple of older friends that were like 85 grads, and then they told me come play. And so we played with, I played with them from like when I was 20 to 30 almost, you know, 10 years. What I remember about Sean is that he's always worked with kids. It was his thing. From working at the YMCA to a career in teaching and an interest in PE and sports, it makes sense he spends what free time he has with kids coaching. So you coach, right? You coach volleyball? Yeah. Or? yeah. So yeah. This past year was the 17s for Outrigger Canoe Club. So it'll be, be 18s this year. I mean, it has a long, Outrigger has a long history of outstanding players. So during this, you know, we've had a couple of Zoom meetings where, um, like Michael Christensen, who's on the U, was on the, on the U.S. national team, Kavika Shoji, 
Mm-hmm. We'll talk to the, I mean, they'll talk to the boys and, and they're, they're, those are former Outrigger players. So are you also like a member of the, of the Outrigger Canoe Club then? Too? I am a temporary member as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, the two, my Austin's a full member, a junior member right now. Yeah. As part of the benefit of him playing for them was he got to be a temporary member and then they had the option to be a permanent member. You had to upgrade it, but you know, it's a it's a nice, good club. You, it's a lot of connections that you can have there. Um, bunch of good people. There's a sand volleyball court. There's a snack bar. Ocean access. There's weight room. I mean, so there's there's a lot of things. You know, someplace very comfortable. I, I feel for the boys hanging out. Typically, this would be the middle of the girls' season, mm-hmm. but all fall sports in Hawaii got got nixed. Yeah. I believe they're going to be sharing the season with the boys, which means they're probably going to be cutting back on teams. Um, and what I've heard was no intermediate teams this year. And typically, we had two JV teams, and it looks like there's only going to be one. So that way, teams can share the gyms accordingly. So how do you feel about their ability to do sports like that safely? I mean, right now, if you, if we're going to be honest, it's just a crapshoot because we don't have the million dollar capabilities that NFL teams do or NBA teams do where they can test them, you know, three times before they enter the bubble. And we don't even keep these kids in a bubble. They've got a school bubble and then they've got a home bubble, which are two completely separate um, places. I mean, it's two massive bubbles that they're going to be exposed to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a crapshoot, you know. Um, I don't know. There's really, I mean, it's it tears at your heartstrings because you don't want to deprive them of not, of playing, especially the seniors. You know, who already already lost their season last year as juniors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. You know, um, and some of these kids want to play in college, and you know, I, I, even that process, like programs are shutting down. I mean, ideally for school, I'd like to be able to have some kind of way for for them to so. I'd like to call it a hybrid class where you can show up online or you can show up in person, you know, and it won't make any difference with you, whatever you choose to do. You'll still get the same instructor. You'll still get the same content, but that means every professor would have to be videoed every day or some kind of streaming every day. Um, but, you know, most kids will choose to stay wherever, put wherever they're at. But like, let's say if we are traveling to go to a, a a game, I can still zoom into my class or I can go watch my class and not miss anything and try and make things up. So I'm hoping somewhere down the line that's that's what they kind of aim for. I mean, they could do that in high school too if they wanted to. It would definitely take a lot more self-discipline. And maybe in this day and age when kids are used to interacting electronically, it'd be more second nature for them to do that and, and, uh, and, and do it well. Well, the, the doctor I go to uses an app to communicate mostly everything yeah. like 
my test and diagnostic lab, send it in, and he sends me all the results. Okay, this, 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 and this. Yeah. Okay, oh, you got to go get x-ray, get x-rays. Okay, he sends me the results. Ah, you're just getting old. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Okay. I was like, what's wrong with my back? He's like, well, you got arthritis in the lower, middle, and upper back. So I, I can see why you're having problems. <laughs> <laughs> Whose fault was that? Who, who did that to me? I was just age. Okay. That's what 15 years of volleyball, 25 years of soccer, a um, couple accidents, a couple falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? All the jumping and landing and jumping and landing? Yeah. yeah that is brutal on your spine. I'm going through physical therapy through my for my back, my lower back. Yeah. And in between that, I got orthopedic massage. And so... So what do you use on your back? Do you have anything at home, like like a heating pad or something? that I got that heating pad. The thing is, I got bone spurs all growing up my spine. The bottom line would be, it's not a huge back surgery. It's just a back surgery to, to scrape off the, the bone spurs. Yeah, I guess. So. I mean, there's a lot of joints um, in, you know, between all your vertebral bodies. So I guess it depends you know, how extensive the spurs are, whether it's just at one level or at multiple levels, because it's on multiple levels. Yeah. Uh, but the ones, the ones in my lower back are the ones that grab up, mm -hmm. you know, so mm -hmm. target probably going to go in and do that. You may as well get rid of all of them. Man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But it's, you know, your back goes bad. It's debilitating, man. I know runners were like, oh, my knees are shot. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm glad I didn't you know, do as much running as you did in my life. <laughs> <laughs> my knees are pretty okay. My knees are perfect. <laughs> I've never had a knee problem. Yeah, my, my ankles are, are shot, but my knees are fantastic. Great. I've never had one knee injury in my whole life. <laughs> uh, your uh, back's shot, your ankles are shot, but uh, everything in between seems to have been okay, huh? Hey, when I do squats, it feels great. <laughs> Sean is someone who over 30 years has changed in a lot of ways, but his character and his sense of humor haven't changed one bit. What do you miss most about the things we had back then, back in the 80s and 90s that, that are no longer you know, available to us? What do you miss most? I miss my hair. <laughs> you had, you Actually, Mich Michelle, miss, Mich Michelle misses my hair more. <laughs> you know, I miss the, the restaurants and things like KC Drive, all the, the good Washington Simon, um, all those places that closed, you know, throughout the years that were iconic uh, places to eat. I really miss those. How do we manage to go out with friends without cell phones? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's good and bad because if we had cell phones and access to social media back then, I'd oh, be yeah. ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm going to assume we did a lot of pop-ins. <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean. How do you drink your coffee? With French vanilla creamer. Sugar-free. Sugar-free, just like, oh, sugar-free creamer. Any kind of coffee or flavored uh, coffee? Yeah, I got Keurig, whatever the Keurigs are. 
So you're meeting up with friends. Uh, you're meeting up at a bar, fully stocked bar. Your friend comes up to you and says, okay, we have time for one drink. What are you going to have? Uh, probably a beer. Especially if he's buying. I don't want him to give me the, the good stuff. So you, your friend is loaded. And he's just yeah. like, yeah, we're going to have a good time. Order whatever you want. Oh, drink the Johnny Walker Blue then. <laughs> On the rocks, neat. I would go neat. How do you like your eggs? Well, growing up, I ate them anyway. Like we used to eat eggs and rice as a staple, you know, but scrambled, just scrambled eggs and rice. If we went to my grandma's house, whatever they were making, if my grandpa was making like liver and liver and onions and crap, I'd be like, she goes, oh, we'll make eggs. So <laughs> over easy though, preference. Oh, you did boil for the go on the go. You put anything on it? If it's over easy, then it depends on what meat I'm eating it with. Okay. If it's chicken, I put shoyu. If it's Portuguese sausage, I put pepper. Uh, if it's spam, I put ketchup. What's your go-to food? Our, our go-to is steak. <laughs> what kind? Well, I buy the ribeye in the bulk pack and cut it myself and vacuum seal it and freeze it so we can have that whenever we want. So how do you prepare your ribeye? As plain as possible, just season it, let it sit, get to room temperature, throw it on the grill, maybe like three and a half minutes on each side and we're good. Probably medium would be good so everybody likes it. Yeah. You know what I did get too? I bought a smoker or my wife bought me a smoker and so I've been smoking a lot of things during this COVID thing, like smoking, smoke pork, smoke marlin, you know, we've been smoking a lot. of even smoke the ribeye sometimes. When I want to eat, we do smoke meat and onions and it's a dinner ready to go. But then I also do a lot of pork because you buy the pork butts. And My wife, I got her um, air, fr air fryer. I've been doing that lately too. The easiest one is, the, is pork belly. We just had it last night, actually. Just kind of cut it up, boil it, and then air fry it. And then you got like lechon. Uh, lechon is like um, the Filipino style. Liz will tell you what it is. Yeah, you know, I, I should know what it is. I, I know I've said it before. I know I've had it before. I'm just trying to remember which one that is. But yeah. Oh. It's the one with tomatoes and onions they mix it with. Um, but it's pork belly with it's a little crispy. And it comes with like... Patisse and shoyu sauce that, that's in it, that's oh, good. If you had more time, like if you just had more time to do whatever you wanted to do, how would you spend your time? I've been golfing with Maddie Alameda. <laughs> more. I've been going with Maddie for a while too. The thing is, because I remember my first time going, I've never played before. It was one of my volleyball trips and our team went golfing and I, well, it's terrible, of course, but it's just that one time you swing a club and you drill it and you're like, Oh, look at that. <laughs> like, that's, the, that's the, uh, that's the hook right there. How do you feel about turning 50? Oh, I feel like my body is actually turning 60. <laughs> my brain is still turning 27. <laughs> My body cannot keep up. Um, you know, it's a milestone. 
But when we think about it, when I think about it, you know, our midlife technically was at about 38 to 40. So 50 is like, we're on the back nine. <laughs> we're very much on the last three holes of the course. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. I don't think it'll bother me much. If you could go back and tell your 20 year ago self advice, what would you say? Cowboys, 91, 92 Super Bowl. <laughs> well, they're going to win. <laughs> Invest in Apple. <laughs> Microsoft, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> There's this thing called Facebook. Has nothing to do with faces. Yeah. Or books, but it's just remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I would go to class more as school is not optional, which I learned after high school. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's exactly what I was thinking too when I thought of this question. I'm like, you know what? So what what makes a good life? Um, I think a happy wife makes a good life. Hi, honey. <laughs> there. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. After you say that, what else, what else can you really say? Yeah, nothing. <laughs> Period. <laughs> hi, Michelle. David says hi. She said hi. <laughs> Hope your kids are productive members of society and... Yeah, like, you know, I'm happy my friends are doing well. That's that's what makes me happy right now. Like, and that's really all I can. That's all I could ask for. You know. Good talking to you, man. You know, with this Zoom thing, I've been seeing you more than I ever have. Like <laughs> over the past, whatever. Even when I'm flying back, you, I know. Yeah, yeah, hey, let's hook up more often. Yeah, we, we have to definitely. Yeah. Well, have a good day, Sean. Okay, brother. Take it easy. easy. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Primetime 89. I'd like to thank our guest, Sean Mascal, for taking the time to talk story with us. I'd also like to thank everyone who helped put this together. Jamie Barboza and Nicole Yoshimitsu, Wendy Brown, and Kaylee Aquaro. And a special thank you to Dwayne Andres for the music and Elizabeth Matson with production and editing. I'm your host, David Matson. Be sure to subscribe to get the latest updates and news on upcoming episodes. And join us again with another classmate on Primetime 89.